welcome to Diverse Tech Founders, a podcast about the one thing older than capital, people like you and me. Now here's your host, Abraham J. Williamson. Okay, now let's talk travel a little bit because you brought that up. Like, yes, you are putting in the work here on the ground. We're sitting in a tangible space, multiple floors. You could probably hear a bit of the echo in here because of just how you know expansive it is. But let's talk about movement as an ecosystem builder. In fact, I was speaking with the brother who just graduated from the University of Arkansas, one of the co-founders or founders of this blockchain group up there, you know, found and I think you probably know him. He at least knows you because of your reputation in the state. And one of the things we were talking about in one of our sessions was getting out and seeing more of the world, being on the ground and not having the crutch of knowing people around you to walk into a room by yourself without knowing anybody and being able to move through that room and through that space. So let's talk about travel and the impact it's had for you on being able to build up this ecosystem, connect others, like just walk us through kind of your travels and what you have been getting from them, bringing back and what you bring when you go there. Another great question. Traveling and experiencing different places and being challenged in different places, it allowed me to find my authentic self and understand when it all boils down, your authentic self is who you need to leave with because that's what's going to remain, right? It was true within your legacy. Oftentimes people try to brand themselves a certain way and that that's not sustainable. It doesn't last. What I've learned to do is to be truly my authentic self and bring that. And I think that's help, helps me navigate in any room. In a place like Arkansas, anytime you're in a rural or slower state, travel. I don't care if you're in New York. Like, travel. Go see different things. Open your mind. Sometimes we get so locked into how things are supposed to be. But the global economy is here. Technology has pushed us forward into an era to where, you know, you can sit on your phone and be interacting and doing things in Dubai, right, in Japan, and have friends for, and finding your tribe, not just based on proximity or race or gender, but based on shared interests and likes and feelings and thoughts. I love traveling. I love learning from different spaces. I think Atlanta, Georgia is one of the most challenging places I've ever been, not because of the hustle and bustle of it all, but coming from Arkansas, and I spent a lot of time in Michigan as well, you know, being black and successful is the super minority. And when you go to a place like Atlanta, it's a lot of black successful people. And so being trained in black success was amazing, transformative for me. Sometimes we have this, oh, I'm the black person that's been that's doing the work. And you kind of, it's like a level of privilege that comes with that. But when you're immersed in black success and you're being iron sharpens iron, and I think the best way to do that is to be in, in spaces that push black success. Um, and so that's why I support, I love HBCUs now. I'm much more supportive of what they do in the space they hold and produce in black talent in cities like in Houston, where you can be immersed in black from birth to death and be successful and thrive, right? And that's <laughs> in our country. There's very few and far between. Like, what other spaces can you do that besides, you know, Houston and Atlanta, right? You can truly be black your entire life and immersed in black culture and still be successful, take care of your family, thrive and all those things from, from birth to, to, to death. When you hear things like that, it should challenge us to reflect on our own communities and even our allies to reflect on how we cultivate and support black and brown communities uh, to be able to empower themselves. So cultured. You know what I mean? The travels clearly have had an impact on you. I'm grateful that you shared that with us because I agree. I've been to both Houston and Atlanta. Different vibe. Mm -hmm. Very different vibe. And it reminds me of when you know I went to college at Howard, right? Very different place and space from where I grew up or where we grew up, I should say. And when you take identity or remove it, 
as a difference maker or something that people can use, you see what people are really made of. And it pushes us to find other ways to connect and excel and exceed and perform and distinguish ourselves. I think that's beautiful. Now let's move this train to the personal track, if you don't mind. Uh, who in your personal network has showed up on this journey with you in a way that you didn't expect and added some unexpected value for you? Because I'm sure like as you've met people, like you said, you go into these rooms, these spaces, sometimes it can be transactional, but there's a trend and a growing one in being more relational, especially with Web3. But in your personal network, who's somebody that you can think of that showed up in somewhat of an unexpected way with unexpected value. I don't want to give nobody that credit. I was just playing. <laughs> I've had so many supports along the way. Genuinely grateful in the present moment. I firmly believe in there's no better time than now that allows us to be present and grateful for what's happening and not look too far ahead to miss this opportunity in the moment. Several people have had a huge impact on my journey along the way. I start probably with you know, Carolyn Hughley, she's state representative, like a godmother to me. She gave me my first job in politics, my first real job in politics, working for the state of Georgia, House of Representatives, and supporting her leadership as well as the leadership of gubernatorial candidate, Stacey Abrams, at an early age, straight out of college. And so I stayed in Atlanta for four years, and they really groomed my leadership on how I present myself, not allowing me to stay in the intern for more than 60 days before she put me into a chief of staff position really? to challenge my leadership, right? And that grew into managing campaigns, being a field director, special project director, all kinds of things. And I'm really, really grateful for them pushing me to operate a certain and with a certain level of excellence with everything I do straight out of college. She groomed me in ways that I still am learning and I still hear her in the back of my head oftentimes, help me navigate how I approach things. Another, my partner in innovation and thought is probably Stedman Harper. Now he gonna, <laughs> I love my brother for, for being a brother. Uh, we met in college and then we just supported each other's ideas and challenge these other ideas and thoughts and processes and how we work and build companies together, build brands together. We've done so much work together for years since, again, our college days. It's like 2010, 2009, 2010, and continue to do so. So um, Stedman is probably one of the most creative people I've ever met. I'm only going to say this once on air, anybody's air. I've always admired his ability to self-teach, right? He can really teach himself to an expert level across many things, whether it's learning how to become a world-class designer or project management skills or brand development or even immersing himself in you know, Web3 and all the things he's doing, man. His ability to self-teach is a skill that I think we often undermine because the system teach, tells us we're supposed to operate in a certain way, right? Go to school, get your education, get a master's, all these things, right? I'm actually grateful for you know Tristan and Mitch for believing in my leadership, especially Tristan, because he gives me a lot of autonomy to build what I, I want to build, as well as continue to support the overall vision for what, where he's trying to accomplish with High Street and Foundation for Social Impact, even his organization, Think Rubies. And so there are people who have believed in me and continue to believe in me, all, all the funders and all that kind of stuff. I, I don't I want to go through everybody, but I'm extremely grateful to most of my experiences, even the challenging ones, because they sharpen how I move and how I execute. I have taken on a position that I don't have to be a shark in order to be successful, and that's 
contrary to popular belief, especially in this space. So maybe a dolphin approach or something like that. A whale. Right? A whale. Okay, a whale. As Tristan would say, <laughs> you're a whale in the ocean, man, in an ocean full of sharks. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So a whale. Have you, uh, well, let me pause here and give you a little bit more background on this and story because I have a tendency and a penchant for over-focusing on the positive aspects of things. And people really want to know, you know, was it as easy as it seems for you now? Uh, you mentioned, you know, you're trying to do things differently, but like, you know, did you have any particular struggles along the way or moments where you wanted to just close up shop, turn it around? Or, you know, you mentioned relentless, which I think is great, but there are some people where they got a relentless mentality too, and they keep running up against a buzzsaw. The higher up you go, yes, there may be fewer people, more people you realize people are actually maybe nicer than you thought or like have better personalities because money makes you more of what you are. But did you ever run into a situation or have a moment where you were like, yo, this ain't, this, this may not be worth it. Or, you know, I had to reassess why I'm here. I don't think anybody's journey, no matter what it looks like on social media or in the press, has been just a skyrocket to the top. Right? I don't think nobody's had that. I don't think life gives us that. You know, the whole ideology of, you know, yin and yang, right? With good and bad, there's bad, right? I also got to shout out my sister. She going to kill me if I don't say her name. My sister, Sean, is my backbone, right? I literally talk to her every day. I think it's all challenging. While having kids and Okay, doing okay. I'm glad that you mentioned the kid. I didn't mean to cut you off, yeah. but before we move, because we're still on the personal track, right? We're just moving down, moving down that track. You're telling me right now what you are building. There's no model you can look to specifically i know generally speaking you know vc has been around for you know decades and decades uh, maybe even centuries depending on how you look at it but you're telling me right now the things that you're encountering what you were building there have been people who have come before you tried and failed and you still decided to go down this journey what makes you think and i believe in you by the way i know i'm asking a kind of an aggressive <laughs> question but what makes you think you can do it. I believe in the power of manifestation, man, and I'm a and I'm a master manifester. All right, I've done it. I've built things before. Is it gonna work? Hopefully, I'm gonna do my best to make it make it happen. It's already working, right? Even when I don't get the grant, somebody else does it. But that's because we're pushing this conversation, and I'm okay with that, right? I'm all about the lift of the ecosystem. I find gratitude in seeing things sustained on their own, and other people getting opportunities they naturally didn't get. I'm one of my bosses in the past used to always talk about condition setters and strike points, right? Strike points are these, you know, moments of success, right? And you you get you get in the press, or you get that article or that feature, or you close that deal. But condition setters change the environment for yourself and others right and so it makes that pathway a little easier and so if my work makes the pathway a little easier for the next group those adjacent to me and those still to come i've done my job this work is really important for me because because it's home speaking of home we are on daddy time right now i'm watching our clock here i know you have to pick up <laughs> the little one so maybe you could talk about that if you like and also in what ways has this journey venture tech ecosystem building positively impacted your personal life you're a family man a lot of things in your professional and personal life but in what ways has that professional journey positively impacted your personal life i now understand that my career is a function of my happiness right it's a tool to happiness and what i do in my personal life i was one of those people who my career was my life Right. Especially during the startup world, you live this world. Right. You 
wake up in it, you go to sleep in it, you eat in it, you network in it, you, you party in it, all the things is immersed in this space. And so now I'm at a place of, no, my career and money is a function and a tool to my happiness to support my personal life. And so that's taking care of my family, taking care of my mom, taking care of my kids, allowing them to benefit from my expanded way of thinking, right? And the challenging the way they think and how they navigate life. Decreasing the barriers for them. My niece was just telling me yesterday <laughs> that I'm always trying to move mountains to make sure that they do something right. I will go, I'm the, I'm that parent that's going to go to the school and make sure my baby get in, right? Whatever, you know what I'm saying? Or at least try my best. I'm not going to just hope that it happens, right? And so I'm very intentional about their experiences and what they do. For them, it's all about experiences. It's all about showing them that they can pursue their dreams, that they can travel the world, encouraging them to travel the world, allowing them to accept what a lot of society does accept is that there's a limited amount of opportunities for you if you come from a certain place of background or whatever, social class. I don't let them believe that, right? You can do whatever you want to do. You truly can, but I want you to do what you're really passionate about. And if you're going to be passionate about it, be excellent in it, and then you'll find the success. Whatever you are passionate about, become excellent in it, and the success will come, right? Because people are going to respect you and respect you from that. And not just expert but truly find an excellence in that thing expertise come within that excellence that is excellent and it actually raised a question that it's just now recently coming to mind now recently redundant but it's just now coming to mind uh, do you think it works in the reverse and what i mean by that is has your fatherhood walk impacted your professional life at all too absolutely so you know i mean you know like my my fatherhood like i hit this i went from zero to three in one year right i learned so much from them right and i think that level of excellence that i stressed now i adopted because now i have to be a full-time provider protector and role model for them i'm their guidance i learned how to be gentle with my daughter how to teach by experience with my nephew, my son, right? Explain more in depth with my daughter, right? So they each have their own way of growing and I've had to learn how to adapt it. So that makes me do that, apply to that work, right? Be more open to how people learn how to work with people, how people execute. I'm often calling one of my coworkers saying, okay, how do I work with this group of people, right? <laughs> you have experience. Tell me this, how working styles. I value my time much more. Straight to the point, I like to operate in a way that I can get work done, but I also have time for family. You don't learn how to value time until you have kids. <laughs> it changes everything. Watching my daughter grow from a baby infant to a, a human and how she learns and is able to learn and apply, it motivates me to do the same and continue to do the same as an adult. It's like, learn and apply. Don't become an expert too fast, right? Don't peak too soon, right? Continue to be on that learning curve. Something brilliant, creatively, methodical. We love that, man. We love that. <laughs> and I'm glad that the two are able to help each other, although it's one person here today. Although you are not an island, you work with other people, right? And all of us, for the most part, at some point, will encounter another person in our journey. And in many ways, you know, choosing a co-founder or joining a team is like joining a family or or, or taking a spouse. <laughs> so if you're listening to this right now, you're like, hey, I have a co-founder. I'm looking for a co-founder, whether it's for a startup or for a fund. What are things that you have learned over the years that are good things to be mindful of and on the lookout of? And if you were going to choose your own, who is somebody who you would be like, that's the person I want on my team? <laughs> I wish I had somebody top of mind. Like, yeah, that's who I want. 
I made that mistake in the past before. When you go find a co-founder, that's a marriage, right? It's a real relationship, right? So the things that you apply in your personal relationships, you have to apply to your co-founder relationships too. Valuing one another has to be rooted in your agreement, right? Do I, do I value you as a person? Right. Then I can value you as a professional, all those other things, because if it's in the inverse and I only value you professionally, I'm going to undermine all of your personal quirks, whatever responsibilities, all those things that come with your personal life, which may impact our relationship. Because at the end of the day, again, our careers are functions and tools to our personal development. You know, make sure it's a good fit. When people show you their true colors, I know we hear this all the time. Your grandma probably said, your mama tell you. When people show their true colors, truly believe them. Challenge them to present themselves authentically so you can build from there. Challenge each other, one another's excellence. One of the things that I truly like to go into my team situations, like, hey, let's get our values on the table and let's, let's articulate where our top five values are cohesively so we can always refer back to them along this journey, right? Are we operating with integrity? Do we value integrity or are we open to getting over on people you know what i mean you got to know who you're working with and then share interests do we want the same thing do we know we're going with this project right let's not waste each other's time let's make sure we can get aligned where we want to go those whiteboarding sessions are so important those late night conversations those conversations at the bar those are so important that one-on-one -on -one very very intimate time with your team is so important because it changes the dynamics of how you work together and this is coming from somebody who has never worked for a company with more than 50 employees make sure you understand what each other's personal ambitions are so that you can be aware of that along the way people may want to go to the moon but some people may want to shoot for the stars and some people may want to stay right here on earth just want to be really really grounded in what they do make sure you are creating an environment that's conducive to communication and not a threatening environment or environment where people feel undervalued and they don't they can't be themselves yo that is awesome man. and the reason i say that is because i was recently reading a harvard business review article where they had surveyed i think almost 200 leaders and they were distilling what made the best leader and one of the you know top one or two attributes was the ability cr to create an environment of safety and communication i think it's excellent that you mentioned that so let's say you built yourself up as a leader you have a strong team around you the vision is set your storytelling skills are up to par, but you need a million dollars. What would you do with a million dollars right now? And I know that that may actually be something that <laughs> if someone's listening to this, they may, you know, have some, you know, make it real. But if it were real to you, how would you spend that money? Yes, it could be for what you're working on right now or deploying capital. I don't want to limit it to that. But if you have a million dollars right now, give us some insights into how the financial side of your brain tied to the mission and the passion and the purpose that's inside of you would work and emit and go to work with a million dollars. Hard um, cash. Well, if anybody wants to give me a million dollars, I'm going to make sure I leave my contact information at the end of this. <laughs> <laughs> so that you can make that happen. I'm an ecosystem builder, man. So building an active ecosystem is always where my mind goes. I think that's how we generate wealth. When we can see the dollars circulate within our own community, that's how we all grow and it's sustainable, right? I can say I would invest in the apartment complex or whatever, things like that, you know, that become function. But if I did invest in that apartment complex, I would make sure there's co-working space, there's a commercial space, all these other things that we can apply. You can have work, live, play all within that same building because I think all those things are really, really valuable. How did I get here? I was able to work, live, play in my space along my journey. Okay, talk about that. So you would build an accelerator 
for those who don't know what an accelerator is or are looking for one that isn't, you know, a blue chip, so to speak, talk about that. What does it mean to build an accelerator here with a million dollars? You're recruiting innovative entrepreneurs who have built some level of technology already. I, I would want to start, if this is my first meeting, I want to start with market-ready, investment-ready solutions and then help them get to a scale to where they want to go, right? So you might have some companies that are already in the market who need some additional capital. You may have some companies who've raised money but don't have the customers, right? And so being able to support that and connect with our corporate relationships, our investor our investor relationships to guide them along their way because we want you, I would want you to walk away from my program with a with relationships in the network that you can benefit from. The program should only be a catalyst to everything else you do in the future, not just be a moment <laughs> in time. You know, make sure they have office space, make sure they have residential space, right? Make sure they are able to host and be a part of events where you bring in leaders and buyers, customers. Having bank relationships is important. Things where you know things that we don't really value or or haven't learned or don't teach in our own community, especially black communities. How do you develop relationships with attorneys? How do you develop relationships with CPAs and accountants? How do you develop relationships with investors and bankers, right? And teach that and be able to be a conduit to that because that's how we grow, right? From a generational wealth standpoint, I'm shifting out of the mentality of the hustle to really focusing on wealth generation and what that means for myself and for my community, stimulating that, making sure that we have areas of brain trust where novel ideas like Web3 can be communicated and taught on an intimate level with 10 people and an expert. It's transformative, right? And then also be able to learn and apply, right? Vision is clear, at least as far as I can tell. And I'm looking forward to seeing the tangible results from that as they continue, right? <laughs> Let's say that what you're doing right now works. It keeps working. And you have the opportunity to raise a billion dollar fund. Do you want to run a billion dollar fund? Why or why not? And we ask for a variety of reasons. Don't feel like you don't have to you know, say what you really feel because you wouldn't be the first to have done it. But just talk to us about what you would be thinking about going into that if you decide yes and what would be the reason you said no if that's the route you go. Yes, I would run a billion dollar fund, right? But... I would think about that two ways, right? I would be honored to be a, a steward of that level of money, that amount of money, right? And I would only do it if I'm working with people who are very intentional, but we have shared value system. While I was talking about when it, when it comes to building, being in a relationship with people, that they are intentional about where those dollars go and how those dollars impact the future. Much as we're looking for ROI from return on investment, we're also looking for an ROI return on impact based on how we invest these dollars. Very cautious of, to not be one of those people who become inaccessible the more success, the more resource I'm able to attain. That seems to be a trend of people who want to do more than just make money, although that seems to be a motivation for a heck of a lot of people. This question's a little bit different, but it gives us more insight into how your mind works and what is attracted by it. Let's talk artists, and that could be musicians, even athletes, if you really want, like painters. I mean, here in this space, there's art downstairs. People are everywhere, at least on the walls and all that good stuff. Who most inspires the work that you do who's in that arena, the entertainment, the music field, theater, or what have you? Who is a performer who you draw inspiration from that can really get you going. I'm going to credit this back to my parents, man. As a kid, the Jacksons were everything. When Michael Jackson dropped the music video, we were the family sitting at our table watching like it was world premiere. We were right there. It was this video, VHS tape, that I had as a kid 
that I would watch over and over and over. And it was the Michael Jackson Moonwalker <laughs> video where he had his music videos in the front in the beginning. And then it went into the actual movie Moonwalker where Michael Jackson, you know, is, is, is saving his girl, little girl Annie. It's where the story of Smooth Criminal comes from. And in the end, he turns into metamorphosis of a robot and blasts off into the universe, right? And so that level of thought inspired who I am today of where are the possibilities. And so, of course, you know, the King of Pop, Michael Jackson, is probably going to be at the top of the list when it comes to being an icon in what you do, operating in excellence, challenging way of thought, challenging the status quo with songs like Black and White and Earth Song and things like that being still impact focused as long as well as as you build your success being super creative man and so you see the legacy of michael jackson permeating through all kinds of artists right? the rawness of miguel or solange the level of intimacy comes from the scissor i learned from everybody man i also believe in the art of entrepreneurship i think entrepreneurship is an art right? i think innovators are art. i think technologists are art when you create and build a product with that billion dollars a billion dollars I would spend a lot of time in storytelling. Right? I would spend a lot of time working with the storytellers to tell more authentic black and brown stories. Right? Talk about the entrepreneur who ran the liquor store and now runs a bank, right? Or or the ran ran a barbershop and now runs a, a CDFI, right? Tell their story. Talk about the kid who lost their parent early on and navigating that and how they still overcame and you know, just their journeys and sharing more and more of that, right? Stepping away from the reality TV and I I'm supposed to be in the high flash and talk about some of the nitty gritty, right? Talk about Web three in a way that we can understand and break it down. I think that's what storytellers do really well. I like, communicate things in a way through art that we can actually understand and embrace it, right? Simply wonderful. And as this train comes into the station, we're down to our last couple of questions here. In your own words, if you want to take away something from this podcast that's related to the most valuable thing that High Street Equity Partners does for founders or people who enter its orbit, what would that be? Everybody flocks to the Miamis and the Atlantas of the world because there's a concentration, a high density of activity and an opportunity to tell your story, right? A lot of these places are amplified because they're able to tell more stories. And so people see that and then they go there. Um, so let's expand that, right? There's a lot of activity happening across the heartland. You you see what's happening in the Tennessee. I think Nashville is a wonderful example of that, of what can happen when intentional investments been happening happens in the city, Cincinnati as well. So organizations like High Street, looking at a place like Arkansas, shares that value of supporting the underrepresented, underserved. Moving or shifting resources there, you're seeing these cities giving freelancers $10,000 to move there, right? Or, or whatever, to attract talent there. But as we attract talent, let's make sure we're also attracting and cultivating resources to support that talent that's moving there, as well as the native and local talent that's already based there. So I'm grateful to be a part and be able to share that testimony. And testimonial you have given today, <laughs> man. This has been excellent, great conversation. And I'm not just saying that, like it really has been, like I said, being back in Little Rock again, just on the other side of the river where I grew up and seeing the work that you have put in and being able to reach out and feel it, to sit down in it. It's been deeply, deeply gratifying. I'm grateful for that. The last question is hopefully a layup for you or slam dunk, depending on how you look at it. If you've been listening to this right now and you really like what BK has been dropping today, you didn't know that much about Litterock, at least not as much as you know now, having listened to this entire conversation and you want to reach out to BK because you like what he's been saying, you want to get connected to his ecosystem building skills, what is the most straightforward, direct, 
simplest way to do that and to get a response from you today. I'm very responsive on all my channels, man, but you can text me, right? You can text me. My number is 501-475-5340. Shoot me a text. Let me, tell me you heard me on the podcast with Abraham. And I know exactly what to talk about. My email is bk at highstreetequity.com. You can take a look at the Foundation for Social Impact uh, at thinksocialimpact.org and highstreetequity at highstreetequity.com. And so these are the organizations that I represent right now currently. I also have my own personal website, bksimmons.com. You can just you know, learn a little bit more about my personal story. And I'm excited, man. Uh, I thank you for this opportunity to be able to share the story about what we're working on right now. Um, this is all collaborative, right? I'm just a part of uh, the momentum that's building. Thank you for what you're doing. And we love having you. We really do. And thank you for you coming on as well. And you hit us with the one-two punch, the text and the email. That's solid. So definitely take BK up on that. Like I said, I've enjoyed this conversation, but we want you to have the last word. So go for it. Leave us with something before we head into this train station. I just want to you know, express my gratitude again, man, for being able to share my story. And thank you for valuing my story and the work that we're doing. Embrace where things are going and just you know, join in on this mission, man. We are really, really, really trying to make a difference here and we need support in order to do it. This is not a solo project or something that's, again, self-serving. It's really trying to change the game and change the conditions for Central Arkansas and across the state, man, and a really, you know, across the country, hopefully. Hopefully, definitely, relentlessly. Thank you again for hopping in. And until next time, we bid you a thank you for joining this week's episode of Diverse Tech Founders Podcast. I'm Abraham J. Williamson, and we had yet another great guest to pop in. And if you enjoyed today's podcast recording, please give us a rating. You can do it right now on iTunes or Spotify or whatever, and we'll see you next week.